This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You're locked on Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Get me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. That would be much, much appreciated. And hey, be a friend. Tell a friend about Lockdown Leafs. All right, Toronto back in the win column after five losses in a row. They defeat the Winnipeg Jets, which was a massive must win for them and uh, gave themselves just a wee bit more separation in the standings with less than 10 games now to go in the regular season. And to join me to talk about tonight's win is none other than our main man, Tony Ferrari. Tony, what did you think of tonight's game? It was a weird one because there's a lot of goals in the first period and then things kind of quieted down and yeah. and things kind of ramped down and it just became a little bit calmer. It felt felt a little bit like a playoff game, but th- there wasn't really that intensity, but the style of the game felt like that. It it, it was a weird one. That That's uh, kind of my takeaway from this one. Yeah, and like like you said, five goals in the first period. The Leafs go up 2 nothing, like less than two minutes into the game. It was at 51 seconds into the game. The Leafs are up 2 nothing. Like that was... A quick start that I don't think anybody was ready for. I don't think anyone expected, especially against Connor Hellebuck. And uh, Hellebuck actually getting pulled from tonight's game, something we don't see too often out of him. But he certainly did not play well because, like, though, I'm going to say all three of those goals, like, you, you got to have if you're Hellebuck. So the Leafs, for once, actually were on, like, the good side of, of the goaltending game. Yeah, it was a weird one because, like, like you said, you don't expect that from Connor Hellebuck. He's been so solid all year long, and and then yeah, just I think it was three goals on the first four or five shots, and yeah, it was just it was a rough rough night for him. But man, he uh, he he's still one of the best goalies in the league, and he's gonna do his thing. But yeah, that was a uh, a rough night for him, and uh, early night off to say the least. Yeah, it, it doesn't come often, and I'm sure he's not going to dwell on it. He's uh, he's a Vesna champion and one of the best goalies in the league. You know, so everyone has their off nights, and this happened to be Hellebucks, and you know the Leafs just happened to uh, benefit from it, luckily. But how about on the other end of the ice, Jack Campbell, after going on that 11 game winning streak, seemed unbeatable. Uh, he can't be killed, is what we were saying. And then uh, the wheels started to fall off a little bit. Lost his first game, then a second, then a third. And it was like, oh, no, is, is this guy going to win a game here? Like, is is he falling way back down to earth? Like, is this regression going to go, like, into the negatives at this point? But then he comes back tonight, and I thought after, you know, allowing kind of a, a couple of goals in the first period, he really shut it down and, and had himself uh, quite the response of a game. Yeah, I think he said it the best after the game. He's like, sometimes I'm just trying to be too perfect. And in, in, like he said, you just have to have fun, like coming to the rink, having fun, knowing that this team in front of you is going to perform well because that's what they've done all year long. It's not many times where they get outperformed. And I mean, when you look at the numbers in this game, they were outperformed slightly. Like the, the Winnipeg Jets ended up out shooting them at the, by the end of the game. They ended up kind of chancing them from high danger at the end of the game. And the interesting thing is normally people go, oh, well, that's score effects because the Leafs were up. Well, actually, the third period was the only period that the Leafs technically won the possession battle on. So 
it was a weird game. I think the Leafs showed a lot of character in trying to like just making sure they got the win, playing good enough hockey to get through. And I mean, it helps when the Vesna winner on the other side kind of lets up a few easy ones early and lets you get your confidence going. Nick Felino made his Maple Leafs debut tonight, ended up with an assist on the game winner. Or well, it wasn't the game winner, actually. It was the empty netter at the end of the game, which it, it was funny. You knew that Marner wanted to get that puck back to Felino, but realized he was just out of the play and the safe play would have been just to put it in the back of the net and, and ice the game and and they just picked it up and was like well here's your first point I suppose but you really want to get that puck back over to to Felino but uh, your thoughts on Nick Felino's first game as a Maple Leaf I think it started off slow like you could tell he was in quarantine for eight days or whatever it yeah. was and he he needed to kind of get his legs moving and I think he even mentioned that after the game that Matthews and Marner kind of carried him a little bit to start but as the game got going he started to get going and there was a couple nice defensive plays and, and that's what he was brought in for and, and he made those in the third period and it was really nice to see kind of that element on that line and I look at him and I go man he does he does a lot of the things that you you love Zach Hyman for and maybe not at the same level as Zach Hyman but having a second Zach Hyman or a Zach Hyman light in the lineup. And I, and I know that sounds weird because he's an older player than Zach <laughs> Hyman, but having that a second player that brings that element to the game is going to be really interesting come playoff time. And, and hopefully Hyman's healthy enough that he can continue doing what he does. Well, what do you do with, with this lineup? Like if, if Felino turns out that this, this trio can work and you can have Felino on this top line with Matthews and Marner, you know, are, do you feel comfortable either putting him on the second line or are you kind of done with the Galchenyuk? Not done, but like Galchenyuk, ha, I would say, has not, um, he hasn't like lost his job in the top six, but the last few games, I would say he hasn't come out and been like a gangbuster, kind of like he was earlier when he first got up to the bigs. So is this now starting to kind of feel like this top six, once Hyman gets healthy, may end up rounding out with that top line with Felino there and then stick Hyman on that number two? Or like, what are you thinking happens with that top six? It's going to be really interesting because I, I kind of see it as as Zach Hyman goes back up to that top line. You want to re- reunite that trio because they've been so good. And then maybe you, you toy with where, where Nick Felino plays and whether he's playing on the third line or that second line. I think you can play around with it a little bit kind of in the next few games especially kind of as you're starting to widen this cushion as the, the season goes on. If you beat, if they w- win against Winnipeg on the weekend, then they're up eight points with, I think, eight games to go. It's highly unlikely they're going to get tested, or, or not tested, but highly unlikely they're going to get caught. So then you can make some of these little adjustments, see where Nick Foligno fits best. And and maybe he does fit on that third line, and, and he's kind of the guy that brings that energy that Hyman brings to the third line when Hyman's down there. But I think Hyman's too valuable of a player that you, you want him in the top six. And even when he's playing on the third line, you know he's going to get shifts in that top six. So it's going to be interesting kind of how Sheldon Keefe molds this lineup because now, like I said, you do have a second player that brings kind of that energy, physicality, and, and puck hunting element. Let's let's talk about something that didn't go so well tonight. And and for me, I, I thought it was a bit of a tough game for the, the Muzzin-Hall pairing. Uh, Muzzin, you know, lost his man on that third goal and then a giveaway on that first goal, a, a brutal giveaway, not his best game. Um, but they played 25 and 26 minutes tonight. And that really shocked me to see their minutes so high up there. Uh, did, like... Uh, why? Why did they get so much ice time after making like mistakes pretty early in the game? It's really confusing. And honestly, I think that's just Sheldon Keefe going, 
uh, this is our guys. These are our guys. These are defensive players, and, and they they want to get them out there and make sure they get them out there for the, for their shifts. But I mean, when you look at the numbers after the game, I think Sheldon keeps going to start kicking him in the butt, himself in the butt because he goes, you know what? Maybe we do put a, a different pairing. I mean, Sandine looks good, and, and Travis Dermott looked good at times as well. So maybe you just play them a couple extra minutes, or maybe you just lean on TJ Brody and, and Morgan Riley a little bit more because, like, when you look at the numbers, their their Corsi percentages were a thirty and twenty nine for Hall and Muzzin respectively, relative to the team that was negative twenty and negative twenty three almost. It's it was a rough night for those two guys. And I think we, we saw the mistakes made on both goals that they were on for. We, we saw the fact that they, they've just looked discombobulated the last few games. And I, I think those two getting right. And I think that's why we saw Sheldon keep playing with the pairings because neither of them have really looked right in the last five games or so throughout this losing streak. So, I, I really think we need to get these two right. And and maybe Sheldon Keefe was just trying to play them into success and, and do something like that. But it, it certainly didn't look great tonight. No, and, and you said it. Like, they they like that Dia core as a whole hasn't looked terrific the last couple of games. Like, both of the goals that were scored in the first period were off of least turnovers. You had, you had Muzzin in behind the net. And then uh, you had Brody, whose puck went off a, a stick and, and right out in front of the net once again as well. So it's it is something that I mean I think you would like for that not to happen, especially going down the stretch. <laughs> Hopefully the defensive play can can you know get cleaned up a little bit, but uh, definitely not the best night for for the for the the back end. Luckily the forwards were out there and, and had a pretty good game. Um, anything else that stuck out to you about tonight's game for the Leafs? I think Sandine's an NHL defenseman at this point. I think that's something yeah. that we, we all got to kind of realize. And in the way he's been playing, like he led the team in, in uh, Corsi today, Corsi percentage today. I mean, it's a small sample size. He only played about 13 minutes and just over 13 minutes, but uh, he led the team relative. He led, led the team in general, just the, the stat alone. And we're starting to see him make some of these dynamic plays. We're starting to see him make some of these passes that, quite frankly, other defensemen on this team just can't make. And he brings that element of skill to that bottom pairing. And I don't know if you lo- if we kind of love that bottom pairing of him and Dermot together because it's a little re- bit redundant. And I, I think, honestly, Sandine's kind of passed him on the depth chart. And I, I love Travis Dermot, but I, I think getting Zach Bogosian in there, at least on a semi-regular basis once he's healthy, could be a really interesting mix with with Rasmus Sandin doing his thing because they complement each other really well and I think Sandin brings a little bit more of what we were kind of expecting Travis Dermott to bring even the last couple of years where he hasn't been able to kind of take that step that we've seen. I'm with you. I, I really am. I'm I'm not sure that Dermott's on this team next year. I think that is that is a player that perhaps maybe gets exposed in the Seattle expansion and uh, you know still a relatively young defenseman that that they could take and kind of roll the dice on somebody who at times has had top four aspiration. But I think as we're starting to see his career play out now that he's, you know, in his, his mid twenties, he probably is more of a third pairing guy. And when it comes down to it, do you want to just use him as a third pairing guy or maybe give Sandine the minutes that he needs to become that top four player that we're expecting him to become and, and really help him with his development. And, and I'm with you. I, I think he, he has played, he's, what he's showed in the last couple of days is that he certainly is an NHL player, and I'm on board for giving him uh, a couple more looks uh, before, you know, getting prioritizing a guy like Dermott. And obviously, the fact that Bogosian's injured for about a week now, they're both going to get some playing time and, and and give them both an opportunity to show that they should be on the ice and and be considered the the top six defensemen for this team. But 
you know, once Bogosian gets back, I think the a big issue too, and and this is more of something that that like Babcock hated um, was he always wanted to have a lefty and a righty out there. And when Bogosian went down, and you look at the way this roster is constructed, you have one right hand shot defenseman on that roster. And, and you know, it, it may not seem like it's that big of a deal. Like, who cares? They're, they're playing the defenseman. Does it really matter? It, it does matter, I think, to an extent. Um, and, and I think that that is a reason why probably we'll end up seeing Bogosian get back into the lineup, even if Dermot and, and Sandine both play well together. I, I just think that's what we're going to end up seeing. And Dermot, as much as people have praised him and, and hope that he would turn out to be something, may find himself on the outside looking in once once everyone's fully healthy going into the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I think that element of he could get taken in the expansion draft is very real. And honestly, if, if I'm Seattle, I look at him and I, I think that's a quality player to take because there are elements to his game that really do play up at the NHL level. He's, he's very good at cutting off transition in the neutral zone and stuff. Like there are elements to, to like about what he does. So maybe in Seattle, he can get a bigger role or he can get kind of put with a, another line mate or another, another pairing mate that can kind of highlight his his skills as well. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Travis Durham because I do really like Travis Durham as a player, but I think we're at the point now where we're like, okay, like Sandine, I'd like to play above Travis Durham. And, and even we're going to get next season and we see Timothy Lilligren who could be that the the defenseman that kind of comes up and, and plays a, a two-way role. Are we going to really try to prioritize Travis Durham over him again? And, and just seeming to be a repeating pattern of why do we keep prioritizing Travis Dermott when we have these other defensemen coming up that, could play at least as good, if not better, than him. All right, let's take a, a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to our three stars of the game. And then, Tony, I want to get your thoughts, actually, on Robin Leonard's comments about these players and, and how he was under the impression that once they got vaccinated, that they would have some restrictions lifted and allow them to kind of be free to go out into the city and hang out with other players and friends and family and apparently that has not been the case, and there's some discrepancy about whether or not they were actually promised that was going to happen, and just the fact that you know the NBA and MLB has implemented those changes once that criteria ends up getting uh, ends up happening, and apparently this has not happened yet in the NHL for a guy like that, and he's you know citing mental health issues as as the reason why that should be the case, and I actually have a clip here about what he what he said, and, and I'll play that, and I'll get your thoughts on that comment but we'll do that um, a little bit later uh, after we get to our three stars as well but first here's a message from our show sponsor All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of this program, being joined by Tony Ferrari of Dauber Prospects and the Leafs Nation Network. And Tony, tonight, Maple Leafs, big win, 5-3. You know, not. I think it was a a win that they had to have. They stopped the skid. Jack Campbell got back on in, in, into the win column. Hopefully, gives him a little bit more confidence. But uh, definitely a, a a win that I think Toronto needed to have over the, considering the way that they played uh, the last couple of weeks. But let's get to the three stars of the game, and, and you could start with your third star for tonight. All right, I, I, I'm going to go with Jack Campbell. I, I think he, he didn't have a, a stellar game. He didn't have a, a truly star-worthy game. But I, I think what he said afterwards really matters, and that's when we play positive and when we're thinking on our feet and, and 
thinking about each other and playing as a team and having fun, that's when we win. And and that's really important, I think. And the Leafs are a team that they're going to go as far as they their goalies can take them. They're going to go as far as their stars can take them. And Jack Campbell being steady in net, he doesn't need to be a star. He doesn't need to go on that 11-game winning streak again. He just needs to be steady. And I think maybe once we get kind of Freddie coming back now that he's skating, I don't know when he's going to come back, but you're starting to see the the – possibility that there there could be a stable crease in toronto if, if things work out well but i think jack needs to get some 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 credit for having a pretty good game especially after those first couple goals when when they did seem a little bit worrisome he was able to shut things down and kind of keep things cool yeah i also had jack campbell as my third star of the game as well you know uh stopped 34 of 37 shots and in the final couple of minutes there you know they were they were peppering him they were giving him some some good looks and you know he came up big with some with some solid stops i think he made what seven or eight like high grade chances in the in the last uh, two periods? So uh, I, Jack Campbell for me shut the door when he needed to after giving up a couple couple of soft goals that he probably would want back. But I think just getting back in the win column for him is going to be is going to be big because you know when it comes to Jack Campbell, it seems like it's a lot of of mental game goes into his success. And I think a reason why, you know, he struggled early in his career was because, you know, whenever he would have those struggles as a young goaltender, it, it just seemed like he wasn't able to kind of rebound himself mentally. And then he went through, uh, I'm trying to remember who his goalie coach was. Uh, I read a piece about this and was it, I think it was in the athletic. Uh, he's got like a, a dusty emu, um, you know, was the goalie coach who kind of turned his game around. And, you know, I think it's it's a big mental game for him. And, and getting backed into the win column, I think, is huge for the Maple Leafs going forward because they need that. And like you said, now you've got Freddie skating, seemingly ready to go, and, and you know, was going to be close to returning to the ice. Uh, having two goaltenders so you can rely on to get you wins is going to be big, especially, you know, as we get down into the nitty-gritty into the playoffs. And, and you're going to need to to pick one of these two to, to be your horse come game one. And if Campbell is ready and if Campbell is winning and confident heading into that role, I think that that's a good option. And then Freddie, you know, if he comes back and he's healthy and ready to go, they also have that option as well. So, yeah, for me, Jack Campbell, uh, a, a really good sign to see him get back in the win column, see him smiles again in the post game afterwards. So he gets my third star as well. Uh, star number two for you. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, and I'm going to go the fourth line. Uh, they're mm-hmm. the only line that completely drove possession. They're the only line above pos- uh, above 50% as a whole uh, driving possession. Uh, Nylander and Tavares were, but a Galchenyuk wasn't. So that fourth line, I mean, they scored a goal. Joe Thornton got back on the in the score sheet. Adam Brooks looked like a pest all night long. He I was, was really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I was, I was just really gonna, impressed. I was just going to bring him up. I said, Adam Brooks actually, to me, is like almost solidifying himself a spot on that line. Like, I, I don't know what things are going to look like once everyone's healthy, but it, it does kind of seem like Adam Brooks, um, he he's making a, a case that he should stay in the lineup here. Yeah, like, I totally agree with you. He, he's doing a lot of positive things in these couple games that he's played. I mean, you, you can't complain about the goal scoring he's had the couple times he scored, and, and they've come at opportune times. And like I said, he, he was just able to kind of get around the ice, make make play positively get in on the four check he was doing all these little things and then jason spezza and joe thornton we will kind of control the pace of play and, and use their veteran savviness to kind of do things right and, and that's what you need when your fourth line's out there and 
I don't remember a fourth line shift where these guys were hemmed in their own zone. They're in the offensive zone all night, even though they only had the one goal. You can't complain from a fourth line with two 40 year olds on it, basically. Yeah, no, like this, this isn't like a, a good speed line. And, and it's funny how much we were kind of like cringing the thought of Thornton and Spezza being on a line together in the, like in the off season before the year started. And now once we finally look at it, we're like, you know what, like in a, in a, in a, you know, the role that they put them in, Shelton Keefe, maybe play him in an offensive role, taking the, the offensive zone uh, draws, or the fact that Spezza, uh, you know, they can go in there and win draws and get the puck up. It, it, it makes sense when they're in the offensive zone because they actually look pretty good uh, as a unit. Like, they're just two really smart dudes with Jumbo and Spezza. And, like, you think about the goal, it wasn't a great goal. I guess it, it got tipped in front uh, by, by Spezza, which so unfortunate. Like, how excited were you that Jumbo finally had gotten the monkey off his back and scored for the first time in a couple of months, and then they end up giving the goal to Spezza, like, later in the game? Yeah. But but that was, like, like that play alone, all three of them contributed there. Like, Brooks, a, a nice move to bring it in over the line, drew the penalty, but then kept possession after that to allow for the opportunity of, for those guys to to make a play. And then finally, Jumbo gets the shot off. Spezza goes to the net, gets a piece of it, and it ends up in the back of the net. And then the Leafs, that was what the that was the game winner, was it not? The no, it was a three-two goal. Yeah, yeah, the three-two goal, the game winner. Oh, oh, okay. So that that was your your second star. Let's go to my first star because that was my game winner. That was that was Mitch Marner. Who what a shot that he had there on that game winner. I, I, sometimes I forget how much of an like a gifted goal scorer Marner can be. Yeah, he's got this like weird knack for scoring goals at big moments, and, and I mean I'm not going to complain about it certainly. And we look at Martin Mitch Marner, and we see that the season where he had almost 90 assists and everything, but we, we look at last season, he had almost 30 goals. Like he's a guy that can put the puck in the net when he wants to. And now that he's starting to build up a little bit of strength on his frame, as he's starting to mature and, and become a middle mid twenties kind of guy, like it, it, he's going to be a, a little bit stronger. He's going to be able to put a little bit more in a shot. And we're starting to see that. And like you said, that, that goal today was just a beauty. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I guess I, I think I skipped over my second star, which was Austin Matthews. Uh, who was your first star? Uh, my it? first star actually is Austin Matthews. Yeah. I, I had a feeling you were going to go with Mitch Marner, so I had to split it up there and get, get Maddie some time. But he had seven shots on the night. He was just dominant at all in, in all facets of the game. There, there were very little shifts where he seemed hemmed in his own zone. And I mean, three points on the night. You can't complain. He, he looked really, really good the entire night. Uh, him and Marner, like like I said, they carried Felino through that first little bit of the game, but then they looked like a really solid unit. So, I mean, Matthews, Marner, you can't go wrong with who gets the first star there. Couldn't agree more. Those two uh, were happy in Maple Leafs land to have both of them on this team because I've said it multiple times. You know, this isn't Batman and Robin. We got two Batmans on this team, two franchise cornerstones on the same roster and uh, extremely lucky in Toronto to have a couple of pieces like this. I can think of a dozen, two dozen teams who would like to have one player of their caliber, just just one of them, and we have two of them. So uh, Maple Leafs fans, as much as we hate it when they go on five-game skids like they just did or they lose six of eight games like a couple of months ago or uh, a few weeks ago, just remember, this is a talented team. A really talented team. And, and, and a game like tonight, 
uh, where they were able to kind of pull out a, a, a gutsy win after probably not having their best performance. They weren't outstanding. This wasn't uh, like the the series in Edmonton like they had a couple months back that everyone likes to reference as like that winning brand of hockey. But they're good enough where if their star players are on, they're gonna they're gonna get goals. They're gonna score. They're gonna produce, and they're gonna end up winning games. And that's what we saw tonight: five two win. Marner with a couple goals. Matthew scored, and then they got some production from Simmons, and the fourth line uh, scored as well with Spezza getting a tip in. So that that's that's you know that's going to be the recipe for success for this team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's an impressive win. It's a gutsy win. Like I said, they they didn't necessarily play their best today. They they got outshot. They got outshot from high danger. It, it's just one of those games where you you needed your goalie to make a few saves. And that's what Jack Campbell did. And and I mean, credit to him because as we've looked back at all the, the, the games, I don't know how many times we've been like, oh, well, they outshot the team and, and maybe they're not always getting goalied, but they're kind of getting goalied by their own goaltender sometimes when, when they just don't get the save they need. So lately it, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nice when, when your goalie can make a few saves and just make the saves he has to. So it gives your chance team a chance to win timely saves, which is, it seems like the timely save hasn't really come lately and 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 that's what we got tonight, right? Those timely saves in the third period when the Jets were pressing, trying to tie up the game, and he was just a brick wall and kept them with the one-score lead and then eventually able to get the empty netter with Marner, and, and that was the game. So, uh, yeah, definitely I think Marner, Matthews, Campbell, my three stars. You had the fourth line in there who definitely deserves a shout-out as well. Um, not the best game that this league's team has played this season, but they played well enough to get the win, and uh, so we can close the book on that game. They got another one against the Jets coming up on Saturday, so that should be that should be fun. Um, let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about this Robin Leonard situation, the comments made about his mental health or the mental health about all players, maybe some of those who even are being a little quiet about it, and uh, the fact that that he feels that they, he's being duped by the NHL Uh, and not being able to go out and experience life despite being vaccinated. So I'll play his comments. I'll get your thoughts on it, Tony, and we'll do that next here on the Locked on Lease podcast. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, cookies and cream. It is fantastic. But they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. 
Welcome back to Locked on Leafs. I'm Mike DiStefano being joined by Tony Ferrari. Uh, so, Tony, um, I'm sure you have heard these comments from uh, Robin Leonard today, the goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights. And for those who are a little unfamiliar about his story, he, he's a big-time advocate for mental illness and mental health. Um, he won, oh, I'm blanking. Is it, uh, what's the award given? Masterson? The Masterton, yes. So he won the Bill Masterton a couple of years ago, um, you know, and and he's been a massive advocate for it ever since, I guess, since he came out and and said that he had, you know, he battled his demons and and got himself ready and and then has really been like a a all-star caliber goaltender ever since, to to be quite honest. And um, he came out on Twitter a couple days ago and basically said, like, I'm disappointed. We were lied to by the NHL. They said if we get this vaccine, we're not going to be, uh, we should be able to go out and, and kind of interact with other people. And there's some discussion now happening. And, you know, I'm just going to play the clip for from Leonard on his thoughts on the situation and what he thought was going to be the case after getting this vaccine. So here's the clip now. The vaccine is available. Uh, if you take the vaccine, X, X amount of pl- uh, players, uh, leaders in this team or around the league takes the vaccine, new set of rules are going to come out. We were shown the NBA protocols, promised the NBA protocols, uh, to get back to some t- type of normalcy, start enjoying life again, because people don't really know. We've been in total isolation. We can't get out of our house. We can't go out of our hotel. We can't do anything. And it's been over a year now, and no one ever talks about the mental health impact about that stuff. So, yeah, um, neither you or I, I guess, are, are scientists or doctors where we can, you know, talk in about these vaccines and and what exactly they mean, or perhaps maybe you are, maybe you're just extremely Mm -hmm. well read. I know I personally uh, cannot talk about it from like a a legitimate point of view, just kind of what I know. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to, to these comments by Robin Leonard and the fact that the NHL hasn't kind of given any leniency to those in the States who have, um, gotten the, the the vaccine and are fully vaccinated and and the fact that they haven't been able to still go out and do things um, and the fact that it could uh, could be affecting multiple players mental health uh, he's got a point yeah I, I agree with you it, it's one of those things where I, it, it seems weird that the NHL would bring up the NBA protocol bring up all these other options and and show the 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 NHL players hey this is what we could do if we get vaccines and this is what we could do if we do things because even when you look at the NBA protocol and stuff it's not like you can go out and just party it up and go to a club and, and do all this stuff I, I think what the players want is just a little bit more leniency into what Robin Leonard was saying is like we, we've seen earlier this season where the Washington Capitals had players suspended because they're hanging out in a hotel room yeah, we're getting to the point now with, with even if it's just the one vaccine, these players should be able to interact in the hotel rooms. They're, they're getting tested still. They're going through all these things. Let the players at least interact together. Let them kind of get together for a team, not necessarily even a team meeting or anything or like a team bonding exercise. But if, if you want to let them get outside and, and work out together outside or go for a run outside together, I, I kind of off practice hours and stuff. You need to kind of let these guys get get things going because, like right, like Robin Leonard said, this this is taking a toll on on mental health and not just him. He he mentioned teammates. He mentioned other players around the league that that are going to be kind of sitting here going, "Hey, like we're getting the vaccine, we're doing everything right. Why can't we 
even just see our teammates. Like I said, it, just that little bit of human interaction can probably go a long way. Just wants to hang out with the boys. Just, yeah. just at night with the boys. Just sit around, have a couple of beers, and just like it's not like he's saying like, "Hey, we want to go to the Rippers." Like, like that's not yeah. what he's saying right here, right? Like he's, he's like, "I just want to be able to interact with people and, and kind of you know chat and hang out and you know not be worried about if I'm going to get caught." But like, the thing is, like, if he's fully vaccinated. Is that not, like, the point of getting the vaccine so that you can kind yep. of go back to, like, normalcy? So if he is fully vaccinated, wh- why wouldn't he be able to do whatever he wants at that point? Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, to an extent, like, I, I probably still wouldn't want him going to the Rippers, like I said. But if he wants to, you know, him and, his, him and, and, and like, Jonathan Marcheseau or him and, and Flower wanted both are vaccinated and they wanted to hit up the, the strip, uh, the, the Vegas strip, not the strip clubs, but mm-hmm. the Vegas strip and, and go for a nice steak dinner. Like, why can't they do that? They are vaccinated. They are safe. They're not going to get it and give it to anybody else. Or and, get and it that's them, just like, it, right? Like, we've seen even measures come out afterwards saying, hey, just because you have your vaccine, still make sure you're wearing your mask when you go out. Still do this, still do that, still give people distance and everything because even though you, you, from what I know is that even though you have your vaccine, you can still pick it up and pass it on. So doing these things to kind of, hey, hold things down, wear your mask, kind of mitigate your risk while you're vaccinated, it, it just makes sense to me because it's not like things, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it's not like things have opened up because some places in the States it has completely opened up, but it, it's not like these players are asking, like you said, to go to the Rippers. They're not asking to go to the clubs. They're not. It's not like Robin Leonard's like, I just want to get back down to the Caesars Casino and just <laughs> gamble away all my money. Like This isn't what they're asking for. They're asking for human interaction. And, and at a base level, you have to at least relate to these guys. That might be what Evander Kane's asking for. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon? Maybe, probably. It's okay, though. <laughs> Apologize, Evander, if you're listening to this for that joke. <laughs> I, I, I I thought it was I, I think it's fair game. I don't know. He's the one who gambled his money away. Anyways, um, but no, man, I I agree with you. The the one thing that I I, I was listening um, today, uh, I think it was Emily Kaplan was uh, was on TSN 1050 on Leafs Lunch, and, and she was having a conversation with with Craig Button, and apparently one of the reasons why they ha- like haven't changed the uh, protocols is because they're they're worried that it could give certain teams an unfair advantage. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that Robin Leonard has an issue with is the fact that they're putting competitive advantage above mental health, which to me also big red flag for the NHL if that is the case. Yeah, I think that's a really poor excuse. And I mean, if the NHL came out with a with a reason Right and gave a, a solid reason for it, then then maybe people would understand. But what they came out with was an excuse. It, it competitive advantage and like they're, they're not going to get that much of a competitive advantage because they got to hang out with their buddy and go for a coffee earlier in the day. It, it's it's pretty ridiculous to me, especially because when when you look at things realistically, the, the teams and the divisions are all kind of in the same area of the of the states and stuff. And for the most part, most of the United States is able to go get their vaccines and do what they have to do to, to get safe. It's not like they're playing the Canadian teams who still can't get vaccines. It's not like they're playing a, a team completely across the country that's in a completely different state with the virus. So it, it's it's weird that they use competitive advantage as the one reason mainly to kind of poo-poo the relaxing of the COVID protocols because 
these are humans like this is stupid like we need to try to make these guys comfortable because yeah they're millionaires and stuff but they're people and the the sacrifices they're making staying away from their families in some cases not seeing their kids let these guys hang out with their their teammates even like it you you got to relax it a little bit i think if if you're the nhl because you're going to get more people speaking out about this well i i think personally robin leonard like, you can kind of link this to JT Miller. Like, that's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Like, JT Miller came out and, and said, like, I think it's unfair that we have to play these games um, against, uh, you know, on Friday and Saturday with only one day of, of on-ice practice, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the NHLPA heard that, took it to the league, and they ended up getting two additional days to rest up and two additional days to practice to get ready for, for the game on Sunday. Uh, that they Well, they pushed the Saturday game back to Sunday and then canceled the Friday game in general. And I, I can't help but, but feel like that was kind of – a reasoning why Robin Leonard decided to to speak up and say something because he figures like they're not going to do anything on their own. The only way is is basically by public pressure, and the only way to put public pressure is to put it up into the into the public and let them know what's going on. And, and I feel like that's kind of what Robin Leonard has done. And and at this point, I think they're going to have like a lot of people really campaigning for the players because. I mean, you and I are talking about it right now. We're talking about how the players are correct. Robin Leonard is correct. The NHL should do something different and change the protocols. And I feel like this public pressure will actually result in some change protocols. And, and, and you know, Leonard will be like the driving force behind having that done. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think this is kind of a, an overarching point with the league, too, that we're starting to see. And and that's just players starting to speak out and, and, and speak up for themselves because, Hockey's notoriously known as the sport that uh, yeah. get pucks in deep and do this and do this and you got to play with the boys and that's it. But we're starting to see more players speak out, not only about this, but about other things. Like you said, the JT Miller situation where he spoke out about the team not having a time to recover from COVID. And, and there, there's other times that players are starting to speak up for themselves and say something and, and be people, which, which we haven't seen from hockey because a lot of time it's you get robot answers from these robot looking faces and you, you just don't get to know these guys at all. And I, I think it's good that we're starting to see guys show a little bit of personality, show a little bit of what they care about, who they care about and, and the things they care about, because as we start to get them more known, know them more as people, it's only going to grow the game because you're going to be able to relate to these guys. And, and, and I know I always go, I try to always go back to that point of growing the game and, and truly making hockey a more like, inclusive and, and fun sport that, that's growing and, and more widespread. And, and I think getting to know the players and, and that's good and bad ways. Like we need to know, Hey, like, are you struggling or, or Hey, are you doing good? Like we, we want to know this because as players get comfortable talking out about the NHL saying, Hey, we don't have COVID protocols that we'd like. We, we, we want them relaxed and stuff. We're also going to start to get to see these guys having fun. Once we get back in the rinks, we're going to get to see these guys showing more personality and stuff. And I, I think that's only good for the game. And I, I think the players speaking out against things that the NHL are doing, like the JT Miller situation and now the Robin Leonard situation, I think it's only a good thing for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tony. Um, well, hopefully, uh, you know, these comments do spark conversation within the league, and this will be a story that I guess we'll be following over the next few days to see if they come back with some sort of change protocol and some lifted restrictions here because it, it really does make sense. And, you know, if, if they can't come up with a better reason, then, you know, it, it changes competitive advantage, then 
I mean, that's just not that's just not going to cut it. And and you know they're going to have to give in to 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 public pressure and give in to what the players are asking for because well frankly I think it's the right thing to do and, and it just makes the most sense so but uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that story over the course of the weekend and uh, see if if they do end up making changes I'd be surprised if they did not uh, but we'll 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 end that here for today on the podcast uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show you can subscribe to the locked on these podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily leaves content follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck follow the show at Locked on Leafs. Follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. And uh, Tony, you got anything coming out uh, in the next couple of days that you'd like to plug? Uh, I've got nothing coming out in the next couple of days, but I did do two uh, podcasts this week for the Draftcast. So definitely search that up on my Twitter. It's uh, I did two previews for the World Under 18s that are starting next week. Uh, big tournament in the draft world, big tournament in the prospect world. I had uh, Stephen Ellis on from the Hockey News to preview Group A with Canada in it. Talked all about Connor Bedard and, and some of the great talent that's going to be on that Canadian roster. And then I had Chris Peters. Uh, from talking hockey sense to talk about the 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 other group group B with the United States Russia Finland it, it's a really strong group uh, I definitely recommend both those podcasts are a ton of fun and, and you're going to see a lot of this on on TSN and stuff because that's where they're going to be hosting the uh, World Under 18s and it's going to be a ton of good hockey with a uh, just some incredible talent coming up for uh, the next couple drafts even. Yeah, it looks like there's going to be a lot more junior hockey on TSM over the next little bit uh, with them getting some some broadcast rights which will which will be nice as obviously I'm a I'm a biased TSN guy working for for the company so that'll be nice but actually while I have you here one last question I guess we can keep this one pretty quick and tight but have you heard anything cuz obviously the the OHL announced this week that they will not be having a season they officially canceled it and stopped all plans on a return to play but has there been any discussions about whether or not maybe they'll have like a, a top prospects tournament for for the guys who are are getting drafted this season well i think that's something that's been kind of talked about since the fall and i actually did a podcast with will scout where we kind of expanded on that idea and, and it kind of went into how we could combine it into a an nfl combine mixed with a small draft tournament and a top prospects game and and, and just a whole big thing and and how the nhl could market that and uh, that that podcast is up on Draftcast uh, feed as well, so you can check that out. But yeah, there, there's a lot of momentum kind of starting up, and, and Dave Branch said it when the the OHL was announcing that they were closing down or shutting down the doors for this season that they've considered doing a CHL wide tournament and even an OHL specific tournament to kind of showcase some of the players in not only just the draft eligible, some of the overagers, some of the older kids too, who don't get the chance to kind of earn that AHL deal or anything. So it could be really interesting to see what the OHL does because we could even, they've even talked about doing both of those two events where it's a CHL wide draft tournament and a, a small OHL specific event. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because it, whatever they do, it's going to be in a bubble most likely. And honestly, it might not even be in Ontario. If, if we're being honest with ourselves, I've heard they've looked at Edmonton and a few other things. So it's, going to be kind of weird to see what what they decide on but I, I think they will do something i don't know how big it'll be it probably won't be as big as i talked about on the podcast with will scouch but it, it's going to be something bigger than just the typical top prospects game i think i think they should uh definitely believe that they should that'd be a lot of fun too like i'm a big nfl guy love the yeah. nfl draft and like 
you know, I, I watched the Senior Bowl, which is basically we were talking about a bunch of the draft eligible guys. They they go in a game, and you get to watch them actually play in these games, and and you can go and scout those specifically, and 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 I, I it you know allows people to shine, and especially I think this year when there was no games for some of these kids who who didn't play in the OHL specifically, I think that they need something to to get their name out there, get some tape out there. You know, we're not talking about the guys who are expected to go and first round or maybe even the second round but like you know once you get past what the third fourth fifth sixth round like I'm sure there's a lot of those kids who who haven't played in over a year that would love to to get out there and show that they they what they got well yeah you even look at Canada's under 18 roster and there's a few kids from the OHL and and Wyatt Johnson uh the top goalie Benjamin Goudreau and in in Ethan Del Mastro one of their defensemen that They've not played any games this year. They didn't get a chance to go over to Europe, but these are guys that were expected to be second, third round picks. And maybe now they get bumped back around. I, I still think all three of those guys are going to get drafted, but this tournament is going to be putting a lot of pressure on those guys. I've talked to a few guys on that team that haven't played this year. And, and they said, yeah, like I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself because this seven games might be the only seven games I get to showcase my talent this year, because so many things are still up in the air with that, that prospect showcase and stuff. And, who knows if they ever actually get around to doing that because they kept saying they were, they were going to do an OHL season and that never came around. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how these kids handle this tournament because there are kids just undoubtedly putting pressure on themselves to perform because, like I said, this this might be the only seven games they get this year. Well, and time's running out too to set something like that up, right? Yeah. Like there's there's only enough time between now and the draft. And uh, once once the, the playoffs get going, that's what teams are going to be focused on the playoffs. So I can be worried about, you know, these other games that are going on like i mean i guess they'll just send their scouts but you know the the gms will probably rather this kind of happen uh, sooner rather than later i would assume and uh you know we'll we'll see what ends up happening another another storyline to kind of keep an eye on as the uh the hockey year progresses here but all right we'll we'll end that one there now officially <laughs> and uh tony once again thanks so much for joining me tonight no problem buddy anytime All right, guys, Uh, I will be back on Monday with another show. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Leafs and Jets, hopefully, Tronk get the sweep, give themselves a little bit more of a cushion when it comes to the top of the North Division. And uh, so go Leafs, go enjoy the game, and I'll speak to you on Monday. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.